0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. I am your host, Archie Mitchell, and we are back for another exciting week of wrestling action. That's right. Tonight, we will have our quick hits. We will have a very long list on the highlight reel, and then we will go ahead and review WWE NXT Vengeance Day, which just happened this evening. That's right. It is Saturday evening. You will probably hear this on Monday. So I implore you to stay tuned and listen to everything that is going on tonight. And as I said, we're going to have a very long list of different things on the, the highlight reel because we're going to be looking at Monday Night Raw. We're going to be looking at NXT on Tuesday night, AEW Dynamite at Might from Wednesday night, SmackDown from Friday night, and AEW Rampage from Friday night as well. And we've got... Quite a long list, and the quick hits we'll be discussing what went down in the Royal Rumble and one other quick hit that I find very disturbing. So what I want you to do is go ahead and crack open your favorite frosty beverage, strap in, and get ready to get on this ride as I spew my venom, my hate, and my love for the world of professional wrestling. First quick hit of the evening, Cody Rhodes wins the Men's Royal Rumble and the shocker here is not that cody won in any way shape or form no it's that the men's royal rumble was the opening match for uh the royal rumble this uh, past um saturday and I, I find that a little odd but i guess it's okay because they wanted the uh shock value for what went on later on in the evening cody rhodes came in at number 30 he got left in there with gunther who was number one they had a hell of a 10 minute battle in the ring and then Cody Rhodes got the win. Big ups to Gunther, a.k.a. my one of my favorite wrestlers, Walter, uh, for staying in the ring an hour and one minute. Uh, definitely a great uh, job done by him. And then Cody winning it all, he will now challenge Roman Reigns for at least one of the world titles that he holds, either the World Heavyweight or the Universal Championship. I do not believe that that matchup is going to be for both uh, the World Heavyweight and Universal Championship. Uh, championships at Wrestlemania but we have yet to hear what exactly is going down if Roman will be wrestling one night or both nights at Wrestlemania that remains to be seen number two Rhea Ripley wins the women's Royal Rumble from the number one spot that's right she stayed in the entire women's Royal Rumble for an hour and 15 minutes and she actually stayed in there with Liv Morgan who was number two and last eliminated Liv in one hell of a feat by using her legs during a skin of the cat to take Liv out. It was a sight to be seen, and I have to say Rhea Ripley was definitely the best choice in the Women's Royal Rumble. Here's the thing. There were quite a few more surprises in the Women's Royal Rumble than there were in the men's, such as the um, returning Nia Jax, who was there for one night only. We saw Michelle McCool come from the crowd and enter the ring and become one of the participants as well as a few injured stars who came back from out of nowhere. Uh, on the men's side, Cody being the, one of the bigger returns and Booker T, of course. Not a whole lot of, of big uh, surprises though in either one, you know, if you count the NXT superstars, but as a whole, both Royal Rumbles matches did the job. Number three, here on the quick hits, the Mountain Dew pitch black match, match was a bust. They basically gave them the same lighting that Naomi has during her entrances, and uh, Bray Wyatt painted his face uh, with those neon colors for when only the lights went out. Uh, They just basically battled around the whole ring where there were a bunch of props set up to show off different colors and things like that. And then Bray Wyatt beat L.A. Knight and then beat him towards the stage, put him down in a bunker of some sort, and out came Uncle Howdy and did a splash. That didn't even hit LA night. That's right. He was off by a centimeter or two, completely missing him. And then we saw the Funhouse people sitting up in the crow's nest from where Uncle Howdy just came down from. And it leaves the question, are we going to see a Wyatt Six made up of the Funhouse people? Are we going to see these being different faces of Bray Wyatt or what? The coolest thing about the match was Bray Wyatt's face paint and the fact that he kept changing his look throughout the match. That was about it, though. Uh, Number four, Sami Zayn turns on Roman Reigns after his matchup with Kevin Owens. That's right. Roman Reigns did defend and retain both the World Heavyweight and Universal Heavyweight Championships. He is still the undisputed champion. And at the end of the matchup, he laid a vicious beat down on uh, Kevin Owens. He looked to Sami Zayn to go ahead and take Owens out with a chair. And Sami Zayn did not. Even think twice, he hesitated and then bashed Roman in the head and the back of the head and uh, back with the chair. Uh, it was a great sight. The fans, the fans popped immensely. He then looked over at Jimmy and Jay and Solo. Jimmy took out Sammy Zayn and um, he and Solo did a number on Sammy. Jay, on the other hand, said, "No, I ain't getting involved." Left the ring and walked away. And then on Twitter put up a note that said he was out with a blood drop. So apparently Jay Uso has now quit the bloodline. Sami Zayn has turned his back on the bloodline. And we'll see later on what I have to talk about on SmackDown, what this is all leading to. But I think this was the perfect ending to uh, Sami Zayn uh, being with the Usos, Roman Reigns, and in the bloodline. It, it, it got the pop it needed. These guys have been together for well over a year. Roman Reigns has been the World Heavyweight Champion and Undisputed Champion for going on three years now. One of those belts the longest, and it's just amazing that they've gotten this much out of the storyline. And finally, number five. Ringside News attacks Soraya, formerly known as Paige, with unprofessional comments and posts on their website. Apparently, Soraya caused some criticism to herself for wearing a uh, t-shirt on an episode of rampage or dynamite or wherever she was appearing (coughs) ringside news posted up about it so soraya finally talked out about it and then ringside decided to tag her and talk about her sexual escapades and different things that she's done throughout her career as well as her family now you recall a week or so ago i spoke about ringside news going on a drunken rant and talking about wrestlers in different companies. And now they've gone ahead and done this to Soraya. Now, I'm not the hugest page supporter, uh, but I definitely have never talked about her this ugly. Uh, you may have heard me slander the Bella Twins last week and the week before that. You may have heard me go on rants about Natalia and Mickey James. But to mention a person's actual personal life in regards to their family and their sexual escapades, no matter what they've done, is is hideous. It's downright gruesome. And I understand that Paige went after them first. And she you know, said that they're a crappy news outlet and whatnot, a dirt sheet. But that's exactly what they are. You know, if somebody threw some criticism crit- criticism at me over this podcast, I'd have no problem with it. And i'd probably talk about it but i would not criticize them back except to you know maybe say why are you doing this you know what i mean but they went completely off the uh, beaten track and totally slandered this young woman and i would just like to say you know guys whoever's running that site might be time to take away their password and um let them ride off into the sunset because they're getting a bit wordy with some of these things they're talking about uh, about wrestlers And um, they might get a punch in the eye or were sued somewhere down the line. So that will do it for uh, the quick hits. Let's go ahead and get into the highlight reel. And we're going to go ahead and start off with Monday Night Raw, like I said, and a lot to talk about on Monday Night Raw. Number one, Cody Rhodes' opening promo. Truly from the heart, Cody has learned how to deliver some of the best promos I've seen in the last couple of years he really gets the fans involved talking about his dad and his want for becoming the world heavyweight champion to show his father all that he's done in this business yeah, unbelievable very very well done by cody Rhodes here number two edge returns to raw and attacks the judgment day which also led to the return of beth phoenix i have to say that uh, i think that edge and beth have been off of tv way too long and if at Elimination Chamber, this leads to a Dominic and Rhea versus um, Beth, Phoenix, and Edge tag team match, I'm all for it. You know, I'm I'm not a huge Dominic fan. I like, like to fight Dominic sometimes, but I think that uh, being in the ring with three professional athletes who have had that much uh, time in the ring might bring out the absolute best in Dominic. Uh, number three, Rhea Ripley's WrestleMania announcement. She will be going after Charlotte Flair over on SmackDown. Again, Rhea did a, a, an amazing job in the Royal Rumble, and I think that she said something along the lines of wanting to rewrite the wrongs that happened at WrestleMania 36. Uh, I do believe that Rhea should have been beaten Charlotte on that evening, and I do believe that she should beat Charlotte at WrestleMania 39. So, for all her hard work and determination, I think that Rhea deserves the prize of becoming the SmackDown Women's Champion again. Number four, Becky and Bailey's segment. I mean, it was personal, it was funny, and it was downright great. Uh, Becky saying that she wanted the cage match and still wants it was great. Uh, Bailey talking about how the only reason Seth Rollins married Becky was because he knocked her up it was hysterical. You know, excuse me, you look at these two women. And all that they've done coming up in this business together. And uh, yeah, it had to go this route. And I like it. Number five, Carmella's return. That's right. The uh, princess of Staten Island is now back. And apparently she's dropped the most beautiful world uh, gimmick. And is back to her trash talking ways. She is a brunette again, which I think she looks absolutely stunning. Her outfit was on point as well. And, uh, yeah, she's going to be involved in a qualifier for the women's elimination match to earn a shot at Bianca Belair. So, more power to her. And number six, Cody Rhodes taking on Finn Balor in the main event. A fantastic 25-minute affair that saw these two men throw everything but the kitchen sink at each other. And I really enjoyed it, and I think Cody going over was the right move. This doesn't hurt Balor in any way because, of course, he's going to probably benefit more from his feud with Edge cody needed the win and i really enjoyed everything these two put together moving on to nxt uh, a lot talking to talk about there as well uh, the creed brothers took on sangha and veer mahan finally in that tag team match that we've been waiting a little over a month for and they actually in 10 minutes jam-packed a great matchup the ending of the match with ivy nile was fantastic and i think that both those teams should be commended number two joe gacy and the schisms promo in regards to the uh, tag team matchup that was happening later on in the evening and just everything that Joe Gacy has been doing in NXT. <laughs> when he first came on the scene, I looked at Joe Gacy as somewhat of a brave, wild copycat, you know, in that he had a cult and was trying to bring people over to his side and whatnot. But he has now grown as a character and is definitely one of the bright spots of NXT. And with the rest of the schism, uh, Ava and uh, the uh, you know his tag team uh, dyad—it's it, amazing to see these guys as they grow. Number three, uh, DiJack taking on Von Wagner, Battle of the Bulls, uh, as Jr. would say, a slobber knocker. I mean, these two guys, both being six foot ten and or seven foot even, and battling it out the way that they did was fantastic. And it was great to see Dijak go over because I don't really know where they're going with Von Wagner, and I don't know if I like it. So I think Dijak had to win en route to his matchup with Wesley at uh, Vengeance Day. Number four, Tyler Bate taking on Axiom one-on-one. And we all know that Axiom is a now masked A-kid from NXT UK. And he and Bate had a series of matches there in NXT UK. So it was great to see them backstage beforehand. Making jokes about A-kid and, and, you know, Axiom saying we should do a series of matches like he had with him there. I'm all for it. Uh, I don't understand the after-the-match uh, whole hoo that went on, but I hope that Tyler Mait and Axiom put on a best-of-three or even best-of-seven series that we can really enjoy. Number five, Isla Dawn and Alba Fire joining forces. I like this. They're both mystical, you know, uh, uh, international superstars. Alba Fire, of course, has that fiery background, and when she comes out with the flaming bat, Isla Dawn is this witchy character. So I think they both work together in a great uh, way. So it would really add to the NXT women's division. Number six, uh, it was the uh, Charlie uh, Dempsey-Drew Gulak one-on-one encounter. Two wrestlers going one-on-one is a fantastic thing, especially in this day and age. Because when you finally see it, after a show that might be full of a bunch of flips, or a lot of fast-paced matches, or even a, just a lot of big, brutish guys fighting each other and pounding away on one another with right hands and chops. Uh, when you get down to an actual wrestling match, it brings out a breath of fresh air. And Dempsey and Gulak did a fantastic job. And I was actually a little shocked to see Gulak go over, but they did a they did a great job out there. Now on to AEW Dynamite. Again, a long list of things to talk about here. Uh, number one, John Moxley and uh, Adam Page. It was not their best encounter, but it was definitely a good match and a good way to open up the show. Um, Moxley bleeding again, I just don't understand it. And, of course, the after the match arguing and still trying to get at each other. You know, you've had three matches and Page now is one two. Where are we going with this, you know? Uh, number two, the acclaimed in the gun club's promo. Um, the rap from Max Caster was fantastic the gun club and uh, what they said to their dad and making it that personal really left kind of made my jaw drop. And uh, to be honest with you, I don't know where Billy Gunn is going with this because he agreed to the tag team title match, even though the acclaimed said no. And now it's his son's getting a shot. I wouldn't be surprised if Billy screwed over the acclaimed or screwed over his sons and to stay with the acclaimed either way, it works out, you know, number three, Danielson taking on uh, Thatcher, Thatcher has been one of my favorites from NXT. He did a lot of great matches there. Now, you know, being an AEW for this one off, or if they're gonna sign him, okay, go for it. You know, um, Brian Danielson kind of brings out the absolute best and everybody he wrestles with, but with against a guy like Thatcher, it was tooth and nail the whole way. And and yes, Danielson got the win, but Thatcher messed up the arm even more of Brian Danielson. Number four, Jade Cargill versus Red Velvet. It was actually a really good matchup, considering both these women were not at the top of my list when it came to great workers. They have finally put together some great action in the ring against one another, so I commend both of them. And finally, number five, Samoa Joe and Darby Allen in that you know no-rules match, pulling apart the ring, dropping each other on the wood. Darby coming out in a shirt full of tacks. It was just was a really well-put-together brawl, and uh, Joe gets the win and gets back the AEW TNT title. I don't know why they took it off him in the first place. I guess they wanted to give Darby a push. The only thing that was a little bit uh, uh, nerve-wracking was seeing Wardlow come out to save Darby again and, I guess, reignite the feud with Joe. Like, where's Wardlow been and why all of a sudden now he cares about Darby Allen? So, moving on to SmackDown. Number one, Ricochet and Braun Strowman versus Imperium, a great opener, a 20-minute classic between two tag teams that one is very unconventional and one is very old school and and good in the ring. I didn't expect Braun Strowman and Ricochet to win and now become the number one contender to the tag team champions, but I guess they deserve it because they are working really well as a tag team. Number uh, two, two, Charlotte Flair taking on Sonya Deville. I, I will say this, I hate that they have now made a Sonya Deville into someone who goes backstage and bitches about not getting opportunities when we've seen her have shots at the title against Ronda and against Bianca and everything like that, but these two women put on one hell of a matchup, so I can't complain about that. They, they did a great job, Charlotte got the win, and still the champion of course. and now we will hope to get to WrestleMania to take on Rhea Ripley. Number three, Shotsu Blackheart, uh, Shayna Baszler, Natalia, and Zelina Vega in a four way for a spot in the women's elimination chamber. Um, I thought all four women did a great job, but I was a little unhappy that Natalia won because just like with Sony Deville, Natalia has this way of always finding her way to bitch about not getting opportunities. And I just didn't want it to come to that again uh, because even if she gets into the women's elimination chamber and then she loses, The following week, she's probably going to say she got screwed over or she's not happy about it and she deserves a shot. So, you know, and finally, number four, Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn's brawl promo to end SmackDown. Um, Roman was heartfelt and and very angry and, and, you know, showing his emotions. And then here comes Sami Zayn to attack him and then equally so just be as emotional and heartfelt when he said he's now looking to take the belt off Roman. Roman came back in the ring after Jimmy and uh, uh, Solo attacked uh, Sami Zayn, put him down. No, Jey Uso, nowhere to be found. And Roman agreed to the match and told Sami Zayn that now he was going to humiliate him in front of his entire family in Canada uh, to get back at Sami for ruining his bloodline and his family. So it was a great ending to SmackDown. And finally, here on the highlight reel... Uh, The AEW Rampage uh, highlights are as follows. Number one, the Elite taking on Matt Hardy, Ethan Page, and uh, Cassidy. It was a great six-man tag, actually, guys. The thing I will say about it the most is, and I know I've shit on Matt Hardy on this show many times, but he could still go. And Ethan Page has slowly come into his own to be one of the best in AEW, uh, although he's not being used properly. Uh, On the Elite side of things, look, Kenny Omega and uh young bucks may not be everybody's cup of tea but they can still do a great thing in the ring when they're in there with some great wrestlers so uh i have to say i enjoyed it thoroughly number two the house of blacks vignette in which um malachi black explained that he doesn't want eddie kingston in the house of black and that they did what they did in order to um release people's inner demons Uh, i found that so crazy because eddie kingston on dynamite was all like yeah i'm ready I want to go home. I'm ready to join you guys. And, you know, it's really going to add to that storyline if they book it properly. And finally, number three, Roosh, or as I like to call him, because it's the way it's spelled, Rush, taking on Christopher Daniels, uh, 13 minutes in the main event here, and both former Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champions battling it out in a great great one-upsmanship wrestling match. Rush finally got the win after putting Daniels down and just slowing him down. After, of course, Jose got involved and many others pressed advance, you know, but it was a a great way to end um, AEW Rampage. So, I have to say I thoroughly enjoyed uh, that show this week. And you don't hear me add Rampage that often, but they did a fantastic job. So, finally, moving over to NXT Vengeance Day. And... I have to say, having Charlotte Flair open the show and pay homage to the champions was a perfect way for them to do things because they were in North Carolina. And North Carolina is Flair country. And unfortunately, her dad has become a bit of a talker who likes to piss people off. So, Charlotte Flair, you are now the person to uh, vindicate North Carolina, in my opinion. (laughs) And we go on to our opening matchup, and that will be Wesley taking on Dijak. Uh, This started off as a classic David and Goliath type match, and then Dijak used his size to his advantage. He ran over Lee throughout the first half and looked to have the match won. Lee finally used his quickness and made a big comeback. The German suplex, a cartwheel plancha, and the poison rana made Lee look strong. Wesley went to the air one too many times, though, when Dijak took over. Strapping in a chicken wing submission, and I thought actually Wesley was going to pass out from this. Dijak tried for his finisher on two occasions, but Lee countered and fought back. Some outside interference from Tony D was unexpected, and then Lee leveled Dijak with his jumping back kick and picked up a huge win. Incredible opening matchup by both of these guys. Mackenzie then interviews Carter and Chance about their matchup tonight, and both women say that a make- makeshift tag team has no chance against them this evening. So we go to the ring for Kiana James and Fallon Henley to take on Carter and Chance for the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions. Now, I will say this before I get into my review. I find it really, really troubling that they keep saying that Carter and Chance are now the longest reigning NXT Women's Champions because these women are now on only their third title defense. So it's easy to be the longest-reigning champions when you haven't defended your titles, i.e. C. Brock Lesnar. So uh, this matchup surprised the heck out of me, mainly because all four win did a fantastic job. It's not something I'm used to with Carter and Chance, but their double-team work was great. Henley and James looked like they have been teaming for longer than just two weeks. That top rope, and Konrana, off Carter's shoulders was amazing, and both teams had my attention. Henley got the win for her team with an assist from Keanu James. Your winners and new NXT Women's Tag Team Champions, Fallon Henley and Keanu James. It's odd that they gave Fallon a title run before they give Briggs and Jensen one, uh, unless you count the NXT UK Tag Team titles. But still, I, I'm, I'm blown away by both all four of these women. And great job, ladies. We get a promo from Lyra Valkyrie. And... Um, it's about Cora jade and i have to say lyra housing really impressed me in nxt she was great back in nxt uk but much different in nxt in fact they're they're more character driven with her now and i don't like it a highlight package for uh, Apollo cruz since so coming back to nxt and Carmelo hayes these two should have a banger in this best of two three falls match coming up so it's hayes and cruz two out of three falls These two started with a feeling-out process, but it quickly went to a battle of high-speed offense. Cruz hit a catching German suplex and a hell of a moonsault to the outside. Hayes Hayes used some innovative offense, including a spin-out suplex into a cutter. After a 20-minute back-and-forth match, Carmelo forced Cruz to tap out and gain the first of three falls. After Trick Williams got involved, Abakato appeared out of nowhere and helped Apollo Cruz. When Cruz turned around, though, he was met with Hayes, but with a heel kick, Hayes hit his finisher from the top and picked up the second straight fall to get the win and sweep Apollo Cruz. As expected, this was an incredible matchup, and the right guy won in my opinion because Carmelo Hayes is one of the best in NXT right now. Post match, Abakato attacked attacked Apollo Cruz. And beat his former friend down. Not exactly sure why this happened. But I guess let's see what happens on the road, right? The New Day took on Pretty Deadly uh, and Gallus and Chase You A fatal four-way for the World Tag Team titles over there in NXT. This was as good as a fatal four-way match could get. As all eight men had some good moments. A lot of frequent tags in and out of the ring. New Day seemed to have it wrapped up. But everyone made the save on a pin and it turned into pure chaos. Chase's superplex from the top to the outside of Prince and onto everyone else was a great spot. Gallus put Duke Hudson through the announcers' table and got the fans popping. Pretty deadly hit their finisher on Kofi on the outside and this allowed Gallus to take over. Gallus destroyed Xavier Woods inside the ring, got the pinfall win, and um, your winner and new NXT Tag Team Champions gallus and i have to say i was not expecting it to be a gallus win i thought with andre chase being in his hometown it might go to chase U, or that they were planning on keeping the titles on the new day but i'm happy for gallus i think they were a great tag team in nxt uk and i think they'll be an asset here in nxt as well another good highlight package for the triple threat women's title match i'd be happy if Gigi dolan won so it's dolan jane and perez for the nxt women's champion these three women had tre- tremendous chemistry throughout the match and delivered jane showed some serious skills we haven't seen from her before and a lot of character perez has slowly grown into the face of the division and proved it more so tonight uh Gigi got in some offense but definitely was the odd man out here as it seemed like it was more focused on jane and perez uh the dolan table spot and code red from the top were excellent Perez got a huge win and retained her title. Very, very well done by all three women. One last highlight package for Breaker and Waller inside a cage, and we are ready for our main event. Braun Breaker taking on Grayson Waller inside a steel cage for the NXT World Heavyweight title. This was an absolute pleasure to watch because both men went all out. Breaker truly made a name for himself this last year, and in this match he showed me why he's been NXT champion for so long waller although annoying as fuck is amazing in the ring his rolling stunner elbow drop and then a splash from the top of the cage were incredible i thought waller had the match won a couple of times but breaker fought back delivered a second spear after an emotional moment and picked up another big win to attain the nxt championship the main event delivered and it delivered big time in my opinion after such an action-packed show I could say that NXT's first pay-per-view back on the road was a success. I'm giving Vengeance Day a 5 out of 5 here because I truly see that NXT has a bigger picture now. And they are trying to put together the absolute best wrestling they can. So what I hope is that what we saw tonight is what we see Tuesday night on TV again. So, with that being said, let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and get into Grinds My Gears. And I'm going to keep this short and sweet here, ladies and gentlemen. Not because I don't like talking to you guys or hearing the sound of my own voice. Because believe me, I love doing both of those things. But the thing that's been grinding my gears in the world of professional wrestling lately is Jeff Jarrett. And here's why. I'm going to take a sip of water first. Jeff Jarrett went to AEW and is signed on as a backstage producer someone to help with talent and whatnot and yet he has been thrusted into the forefront of this company and been put in feuds with tag team champions both in ROH and in AEW uh he's been put in some pretty big profile matches and he is annoying I mean he's not Grayson Waller annoying but he is really annoying as fuck and here's why The guy, I get it. He can still go in the ring, but he was never that major of a draw. It was not like people heard the name Jeff Jarrett in the early 90s when he was in the WWF and went, oh, I got to see Double J. It's not like people saw his name on the marquee in the later part of the 90s for WCW and went, oh, God, Slap Nuts is here. I got to see this. No, he didn't draw that well, guys. Jeff Jarrett in his own head is a megastar is hulk hogan uh in likeness he, he's a john cena he's a rick flair no you're not jeff and the thing that pisses me off the most is that because of all the people that tony khan signed from the wwe when they let people go this is the one that he's banking on the most to slam guitars in people's heads To be with Jay Lethal and Sanjay Dutt and Satam, this giant ex-basketball player. Uh, Jay Lethal, in my opinion, is being done a disservice. Sanjay Dutt does not need to be on my television and Satam does not either. But Jeff Jarrett is taking, in my opinion, spots away from people who should be getting them more so. Because I think that the House of Black deserved a shot at the AEW World Tag Team title. Not once, but twice. I think that Malachi Black should be involved in a feud for the Mid-Atlantic or All-Atlantic or whatever the hell that title that Orange Cassidy has in a book bag instead of Jay Lethal getting another shot at that title. It, it 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 is mind-boggling that Jeff Jarrett is being pushed at this late in his age when he has never really done anything for the professional wrestling business. He almost killed TNA. And had Anthem not bought it. I feel like I've said this before. I'm sorry if I'm going off on another tangent. That's already been done before, guys. But he almost killed TNA. Had Anthem not bought it and renamed it to Impact, it would have been in the shambles. He was definitely a part of the killing of WCW because he was there towards the dying days. He held this Man up for money, refused to do the job to China. I mean, should I go on and on? This guy was not anything that great. And I don't care what his gimmick said. Ain't he great? No, he's not. Okay? He's not. And it's just annoying to me. It annoys the shit out of me that a guy like this is taking a spot from someone like Ethan Page, Malachi Black, Buddy Matthews, Brody King, Darby Allens. I mean, Jungle Boy, even Hook. Why is Jeff Jarrett being the one pushed over these guys? It's ridiculous. So with that being said, I want to thank you guys for joining me. Again, I apologize that I don't have the music in between the segments anymore, but I keep forgetting my little speaker and how to set it up and everything like that when I need to get it ready for uh, the shows, but I promise we'll be back eventually. Next week, we'll be back to our regular scheduled programming, talking about NXT and AEW in their entireties, and then, of course, the Pilot reel and quick hits and whatnot. Following week, we will be doing this exact same format because the WWE will have the Elimination Chamber by then. So, we're going to switch off here a little bit. But if you like the format, drop me a message. If you don't like the format, drop me a message and let me know why. And, as always, I will see you next time on If You Smell a <laughs> Lowa, But The Arch Is okay.